the state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at an historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laugh as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig with details. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you, as always, so much for tuning in. Let's give it up for the uh, breakout star of our program, super producer, the one and only Mr. Max Williams. Kids going places. He's going places. Uh, this podcast, I think, just might work out for him. Uh, they call me Ben. You're Noel. And Noel, uh, this is, I think, a special episode for us. It's one that we've been pretty excited about. I almost don't want to spoil it. Should we just... Okay, let's just talk about this I mean, it's, uh, you know, what, it's in the title. People probably kind of have at least a, an inkling as to what's going I on. I thought but so. But if they don't... Yeah. Yeah. A lot is of people it possible just to spoil reality television, though? I mean, I guess it is. You know, that's all. Sure, there's moments, there's cliffhangers, there's big reveals. Yeah, you, yeah it's you know, it's just another form of drama, right? Mm-hmm. Before we get to our big reveal today, folks, we do need to point out that uh, this is an episode about reality television. If you, which can be divisive, if you hate reality television, you're going to have fun here still. Uh, if you love it you're going to hopefully still have fun because love it or hate it, reality TV is one of the most popular television formats on the planet. It's also, you'll hear it called in corporate parlance, unscripted programming, just meaning that performers involved aren't really working from a script in theory. Uh, Today, there are countless different versions of this sort of thing in every subject or genre imaginable from like the hazards of love to surviving in the wild to cooking to hunting ghosts. But how do we get here? Today's question, what's the history of reality television? Noel, I think it's time for our first big reveal. Oh yeah. Other things of love too, right? There's hazards, there's rocks, 
There's lots, lots of lots of love related ones, but yeah, big reveal uh, is that the history of reality television, unscripted, as you uh, coyly refer to it as well, well, you know, is, is, is referred to as is is ridiculous. It's absurd. Uh, it's not just a little bit divisive uh, for good reason. It's like wrestling, but only I think some people don't know that it's not entirely real. Hey, kayfabe hashtag kayfabe. Yeah, whatever that means. I don't know what that is. What is kayfabe? Yeah, it's good. It, it's good. It, it'll land for some people okay, listening. Got it. okay, it's, uh, it's, it's the idea of maintaining the illusion. But that's not the big reveal. No, the big reveal is that we, we're not going into this alone, right? How could we? How could we ever venture into these dark waters alone? No, today we are thrilled to be joined with our very special guest and good friend, Anna Hosnay, uh, who produces tons of shows here at iHeart, including Daily Zeitgeist. She's the creator and co-host of Ethically Ambiguous, uh, the founder of the fantastic iHeart Next Up initiative, which gives opportunities Mm to young podcasters from uh, various backgrounds and underserved demographics, and of course, a regular contributor and producer of Will You Accept This Rose? Anna, will you accept this guest spot on Ridiculous History today? Yes, I will. Thank you for having me. (laughs) What about like, no? Then we would have a cliffhanger. (laughs) There'd be a cliffhanger here. We'd regroup and we'd figure out how to to press on. But it wouldn't be as fun. I'd go into VO voice making it sound like an ad break and say, will the, you know, I'm not going to do it now because you said yes. You can also check Anna on Twitch where she hosts Deckheads, Chief Stews. And Anna, this is where you talk about Below Deck and a ton of other Bravo shows like The Real Housewives Empire, Summer House, Southern Charm, you name it. We made it happen. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for joining us today. For anybody who's not aware, or didn't get the didn't get the vibe from all the stuff we just listed. Anna is very very busy, and uh, her contract, the writer in her contract, is crazy. So we had to save up for this. Yeah, yep, yep. It actually, it states that you guys all have to watch reality TV with me <laughs> for a week. <laughs> I'm here for before it. I'll come yeah. do any show. <laughs> so there's a uh, what we were hoping to do in this story with our resident expert on reality television, which is, of course, Anna, is to look at the true history of how this became such a global phenomenon. And I don't know about you all, but before I was really diving into the research on this, I had just sort of assumed reality TV was kind of a a thing that birthed in the 1990s. I think we all remember the real world program Mm -hmm. on MTV, right? Like shout out Puck, I guess that's what very young me remembers. Weird Beard. I remember Weird Beard is like alter ego. I don't know why that stands out. And there was that British guy that was in like the metal band who sent his girlfriend like a pig's heart with a nail through it or something what was that guy's name a lot of weirdos on I, I don't know it i remember like him a, i don't uh, remember his name it was a british sounding name but yeah that was like only season two i think it was new york and then london maybe and then there was san francisco in there i think san francisco was with seattle mm-hmm. that's right mm-hmm. yeah seattle was also big but no it's true i mean it's something that i you know certainly was like on just kind of like you couldn't really escape it because it was it was huge. It really hit some kind of like note in the zeitgeist and it really hasn't slowed from there. It's sort of just spread like a like a disease. Or, or you know, a positive you know, disease if you're into it. Yeah. Yeah. Like like one of the fun diseases, you know? Like sure. that that 
laughing epidemic. But Anna, first off, how did you how did you get into it? Like, it's obviously something that you you can you can be into ironically, sure, and you know, kind of it gives you plenty of fodder for like commentary that can be a lot of fun. But I think a lot of people truly you know do enjoy following the lives. Which camp do you find yourself in, or is it somewhere in between the two? I would say I'm a little in between. Like, I love reality television unironically. I think it's just great work. I think it really, it it really, you, okay, look, scripted television, you have a writer's group, you're, you know, a writer's team, you got people working on it. Everyone's like, you got some of the best minds putting something together. With reality TV, it's so unpredictable. And it's so like, Also, you have to go find real people, which is really difficult because Mm. not only do you have to find them, then you have to actually make sure that they're like good to be on TV. And there's like so many levels to finding these like incredible characters that we've become genuinely obsessed with um, that like I can't help but be like, this is masterwork of television. This is tough. I worked in reality TV very briefly. I couldn't cut it. I hated what? actually working it. And I had to step away and just uh, enjoy it from afar. Oh, wow. So you know the behind the scenes, like challenges and, and the plot twists people have to navigate. I was I was unaware of that. We're going to have to pick your brain about that in a little bit. You make incredibly salient points. And I think a lot of people aren't aware of that amount of work, right? They think there's just this kooky person, right? Who is starting a, a, a strudel empire for some reason. And now, uh, you know, nine seasons later, we can say, wow, that that actually worked out. One thing I think maybe we can start with is the tricky, the tricky proposition of defining what reality or unscripted programming means. I think we can all agree the definition expanded over time. Uh, you have, you know, you are, again, a resident expert here. It seems to me that some people will define reality TV in a very narrow scope, and they'll say, it's kind of soap opera. You know, it's kind of slice of life, uh, increasingly with a celebrity, uh, and you're just learning about and following the adventures of these these normal, very interesting, compelling people. But other folks will broaden the definition increasingly, and they'll say, well, what? why is a, a insert game show here? Why is that not reality television? A lot of the stuff is unscripted. Or why are those kind of documentary things that are not soap operas? Why do we not qualify those as reality television? And there's a lot of curation that goes into this from the, you know, the dailies to the final product. But the more I looked into it, I was surprised that there are conflicting opinions about what the actual first reality television show is. And and off mic, I I sent sent around uh, to our crew here a show that is often called a, um, it's like a prototype of what would become reality television. It's a game show called Queen for a Day. I had never heard of this one, and it really creeped me out. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Snagajob. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. 
With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on-demand, temp-to-hire, part-time, or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. You know, Ben, I got to say, one of the best parts about spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity you get where you're like, man, how have I been living like this? What's wrong with me? <laughs> you're right. No, it's it's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car. I'd get that car, and I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. You know. I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac yeah. Bonnevilles. Right? Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was, a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, <laughs> I said El Camino and I meant Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. But it, it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yeah, it's pretty dystopian. <laughs> <laughs> 
What did you, did you know about this one, Anna? Well, I had heard of it very briefly as like, because I, I read a book called uh, Bachelor Nation by LA Times writer Amy Kaufman. I read any batch or any sort of reality TV podcast. <laughs> I won't read like anything legit, but if you're like a book about reality TV history, well, 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 you know, it's already in my cart. So I did actually, she briefly mentioned that show in her book, but like I did never did any further research on it. I was kind of like, okay, sounds like some Johnny Carson, you know, like I was just like, whatever, Mm. sounds old. So I never really like got into it or really researched it further. But that video you sent me where like the mini doc on it, I was like, oh, this makes all the sense in the world. We've always been obsessed with perfect people in media and it goes so far back. And there is like that level of darkness. It's such a precursor to like the swan. Do you guys remember the swan where they like took a woman? Mm-hmm. They were like, ah, she's a freak <laughs> and like made her beautiful. When you're like most of those women, you were like, they're they're fine, you know? They were fine. <laughs> Come on. So it's interesting to see that. Yeah, no, this one, I mean, it is, it really embodies the kind of sexist, you know, misogynist, like, hierarchy of, like, the the, the 40s, 50s, and 60s, and, and honestly, beyond. But with this whole notion of, like, what if we took an under, uh, you know, an underappreciated poor woman and, and gave her all the things that she needs to feel like a queen for a day and then put a crown on her and parade her around like something out of, like, a horror movie? I mean, it really does strike me as, like, this kind of ritualistic, you know, display. I don't know, something about it. I don't I can't quite put my finger on it, Ben. You keep using the term, you know, or dystopian I say hunger kind game of terms. Vibes. Yeah, but, but there's something about it that is very unsettling. And I don't know what it is. But can you kind of describe to us, Ben, what you found in your research as to what the whole deal was around this game and and, and oh. uh, how how you how you won exactly I don't even know if it's there is a winner per se. Yeah, we all four watched this uh, on this mini doc, as you mentioned. And this show dates back to the Mutual Radio Network in April of 1945. Uh, It was in New York City before it moved to L.A. uh, And then it ran until 1957, and then it switched to NBC. uh, And it's growing the entire time. This is really important. And then it goes to ABC and runs till 1964, like you all said, it opens with a host. He's very, uh, what'd you say, Anna? He's very like old. And uh, he's, you oh, know, like the old school old. TV host. He was. <laughs> he was Nothing like he an was. older white gentleman judging your looks. Oh. Yes. Which of you is the saddest? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so the way the format works, it is kind of like, game show variety, but in in a very dark way, uh, he introduces a series of contestants. All contestants are um, are, are women, uh, female identifying who have uh, have a personal tragedy or struggle, something that is beyond ordinary means to repair. So that even though it's called a queen for a day, they don't come in happy, just wanting to be happier. They come in saying somewhat, beat me here, Max. They come in saying someone f***ing help me with my sick child or someone help me save our house. Perfect, perfect timing there, Max. Uh, So they, he interviews the contestants and then, you know, they're separated, the interviews by commercials. People love this. If you have the sto- saddest story judged by the audience applause meter 
then you get some version of your wish for a day. And you can see stuff where someone's like, I want medical treatment for, you know, my little Jane or my little Jimmy. And then they're like, we heard you and here's a brand new dishwasher, the finest from Maytag and Sears or whatever. And um, this show was so successful that it eventually, it was 30 minutes and they increased it to 45 minutes just to put in more commercials, which I think remains a complaint about a lot of reality TV today. But, but I mean, the, the, the most macabre part of it to me is that in the end, the winner is selected and they're announced with all these prizes they're going to get. But then they're like d- dressed in this like weird kingly, queenly robe, you know, with a bejeweled crown and all while, you know, sitting in this like absurd velvet, you know, plush throne uh, and given like a dozen roses. And I don't think this is necessarily the case, but I'm picturing them also openly weeping mascara like running down like the that cover the of that case. whole album you know i mean it's just it's it's really it's kind of twisted they didn't seem to think so i guess they, you know uh, but but, it, but i think this really does point to an interesting factor for me at least about reality television i think one thing that's always led to it being a success is something very similar to why i think true crime is a success it gives people an opportunity to be like well at least I'm not that poor, or at least, you know, my father wasn't a secret murderer. You know, there is some sort of like remove with which people can watch these things that allows them to kind of feel a little better about their lot in life or, or worse, depending on what show you're into and what you're, you know, what you're after. But I mean, Anna, do you have any thoughts as to why these shows are so popular on such a broad scale outside of just, you know, the, the soap opera-ness of it all? Oh, no. You've asked a question I can talk about for eight hours. Um, Okay, well, here, let me break down the queen for a day. So you're seeing something where you're seeing these, like, ordinary women who have problems. Guess what? America loves drama, you guys. We've always Mm. loved drama. This mini-doc, I was like, this foreshadows every trope in reality TV history to come. So you have the trauma. Guess what? In like the Bachelor sort of like dating world, there's this concept of trauma bonding where you're like, If you're a bachelor bachelorette, they'll be like, I need you to open up to me so I can know that we can have something. But to them, opening up means like, tell me something traumatic from your life so we can trauma bond. And then we'll feel like we have something, which in any normal circumstance, you're dating the first date. You're not going to be like, my parents got divorced. And because of that, I had to become like the sole like sibling who raised my other siblings. It was really hard. My mom worked 18 jobs a day. I had to do everything. It really put a lot of pressure on me. And that is why I think I'm ready for marriage. You know, it's like all these really weird things where you're like, whoa, okay, you didn't have to tell. I mean, divorces, while yes, I believe it, it can be very hard on you. It's incredibly common at this point, you know, like a Mm -hmm. lot of people get divorced. But then so you're seeing that the sort of like trauma bond. And then you're kind of seeing this other thing of like, A lot of our obsessions is like projecting our own sort of feelings on people. So you're able to be like, wow, look at her. She got that. She won her dishwasher. She's the queen of the day. But then you're not the one who has to like deal with the aftermath of that. So, hey, you get this dishwasher or in like a lot of those like television or like house remodel shows, you know, like Ty, mm-hmm. I forgot that guy's Ty something, where he'd be like, here's Pennington. your new house. Yes. Pen- Pennington? Is it Pennington? I don't know. I think so. Something yeah, like that. that sounds familiar. Now, now you have to pay the property taxes and, and you know, yeah, pay for exa- Exactly. It's like, oh, well, I wasn't super rich. I can't afford a massive house like you just built. I mean, like, love it. Cute. 
I can't actually <laughs> afford that. And a lot of those houses go into foreclosure. So like, there's almost like this moment of like, yeah, that's great, but you're in the safety of your home. So you don't, as soon as that show ends, it's not your problem. And I think like as Americans, you see that a lot where we're like, ooh, yeah, good for you, but that's not my problem. We like to really pull back. And that's a symptom of just American culture in general, which is why so mm-hmm. many people are suffering in this country is because we're like, well, I did my job. Why do I have to give, you know, like we're all kind of like selfish. It just is what it is. So there is like this level of like, I I can project everything I'm feeling into this half hour or hour or two hours now because they never end uh, television show. <laughs> and then I can walk away and I can be like, wasn't that crazy? She's a nut, you know? And then <laughs> it's not your problem anymore. But like you get to literally suck the joy out of this television show and then walk away, you know, wipe your hands of it. And that's, I think, like our kind of sick fascination. And I think Queen for the Day is a very interesting foreshadowing of every little thing that's going to like come out and competition. We love to compete in this country. We Mm. love to compete. So the idea of like whose story is sadder is like such a like (laughs) sickening obsession of ours because we do also love to tear up. But they didn't even try to veil it. You got to at least give them props for not even bothering trying to dress it up. They literally are asking the audience whose story is sadder, you know? Exactly. Because it was the first time out. They hadn't learned the tricks. Yeah, that that catharsis, right? That vicarious experience. Yeah. uh, I agree. It carries on. We love a beautiful story. Even if it's like has a dark, dark origin where you're like, she's being used to sell ads, you know? And anyway, that's kind of, that's why we're obsessed. We love stuff like that. Also to jump in real quick. Yeah, Max, give it to us. It is Tiger Burton Ty Pennington. Oh, love that. Of course, Tiger. Max with the facts. We, we just paused for this awesome sound cue on where we have a friend singing this theme song, Max from the Facts. Where do we even go from, from Queen for a day? I mean, it, it gets kind of lighter after that. I mean, we sort of start with like the most, you know, uh, bleak dregs of kind of human misery. And then we go pretty quickly to like prank shows, you know, and like can- candid camera, right? Yeah, you know, it's, Again, it all hinges on what we accept as the definition of reality TV, which I think I'm I'm kind of team Anna in this one because maybe the best way to arrive at the definition is reverse engineering from what fascinates people about these these shows, these programs, these formats. You'll find a lot of people who will argue, no, the real uh, the real first reality TV show was so-and-so. So let's just walk through some of the, the first ones. So one of the first network game shows, Cash and Carry, that shows us unscripted television. But again, it depends. Some people will say, well, a game show is not reality TV, but a competition that is kind of game show based, I think we can point to several that are reality television. And there's a really interesting interview with a guy named Troy DeVold, who is produced uh, and written for numerous properties like this uh, and is kind of an historian of reality TV. And he says that the very first reality television show, per his opinion, is something called 
Amateur Hour by Ted Mack. It came out in 1948, a few months before Candid Camera hit the screens. And right now, Candid Camera, I think, is more well-known. I've never actually seen an episode. I think it's one of those things, just the kind of floating around in popular culture. I know the phrase Candid Camera, but I haven't You've watched it. You've never seen Candid Camera? I have not. Legendary that. television. Really? I was I'm raised on Candid Camera. I loved it. It's so <laughs> funny. It's so funny. And also another kind of hilarious thing where we love to see people uh, make a fool out of themselves slash get hurt. Got caught out. <laughs> right. And then say, I'm sure they're fine at the end. Right. Been come well, back they win like a, You know, whatever. They win something. <laughs> and you're like, that should be enough. That's the modern equivalent, I guess, would be like fail videos, you know, or like yep, kids getting army. hurt accounts. Yeah, fail. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's we don't even need these kind of shows anymore because I think they've kind of found their place in shorter form uh, videos on the internet. I know. Well, that was also America's funniest home videos. Yes, yes, literally homemade joy. <laughs> exactly, and uh, and at least in the very beginning, these weren't intentionally curated to like fool the host or the teams. So. If you want to win a bar argument, uh, you can cite the Guinness Book of World Records, which says Candid Camera is the, quote, first TV show to regularly feature members of the public as stars. 1950s, game shows getting a little wild, getting a little experimental in that post-World War II boom for the U.S. Contestants are, like you mentioned, Anna, they're, they're putting these increasingly strange situations, stunts, practical jokes that make you think, that is embarrassing, or oh, are they okay? And the emphasis here is on fun and awkwardness instead of like real difficult stuff like solve these riddles three. It's more like, can you move while we're throwing all this, uh, I don't know, foam at you? And um, this is, again, this argument is why you'll hear some people who are a little more rigorous with their definitions say the real first reality TV show came in 1973. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Snagajob. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on-demand, temp-to-hire, part-time, or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah. Um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool, I, yeah. I, I just remember, it was my dad's. I, I was a hand-me-down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car, I'd get that car. And I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something, you know? I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac, yeah. Bonneville. 
right? It's, oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was, a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, <laughs> I said El Camino and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. It, it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. I don't agree with it. I think it's maybe the first of its kind of reality show. It's called An American Family. And mm. weirdly enough, it was on PBS, which we don't always associate with reality shows today so much as documentaries, I guess. Yeah, well, you know, PBS loves those commercials. Yeah, totally. That's the sort of the blurry line that we're talking about, though, because then you have like, you know, isn't a reality show just kind of a low rent documentary to some degree? And I mean, again, uh, please don't take that the wrong way. I just mean, you know, a documentary tends to be about something a little more like high minded and like culturally important, whereas, you know, reality shows are more about like awful people yelling at each other and, and getting into fights and acts of one upsmanship. But they use similar techniques and production styles. So like what different a documentary from a reality show. I think a documentary is more of a kind of like an investigation into something. But mm. reality TV, I think, is just more of a like a bird's eye view into like a group of people. I, I mean, I, I think like you, when you're watching reality TV, you're not really fully coming to a consensus about something versus like a documentary. You're still trying to build a narrative arc, you know? I mean, you kind of are in reality TV depending on the show, but like it's not as it's not as like important where I'm dying to know what this like housewife's, you know, from Real Housewives like arc is. I'm kind of like, OK, I see her trying to like it's like they're literally creating their own storylines by starting a fight versus like a director of a documentary who's like, here's the story I'm trying to tell. Here's the here are the people I'm trying to like investigate and or like examine under a lens of some kind. Well said. I, I I think I I would agree with that because then by that reasoning we're we're saying that 
for example, a documentary about the plight of uh, the emperor penguin is meant to have the audience kind of cohere on the same the same conclusion, right? Like, oh, snap, things are bad for penguins. But uh, a reality show is totally fine with an audience being divisive, right? Hashtag team this person, hashtag team that person, right? So from what I understand, there are uh, fan contingents of various modern reality shows who kind of beef with each other on the internet. Is that correct? Or is that like, is that just one bad example I saw? Or is that a normalized thing? No, I mean, yeah, it's like sports teams. You have your side. You will fight mm. the other. Like if you love a certain housewife and someone else is coming at them, you're going to get angry. I mean, it really is like we have our teams. Uh, and people, especially now in this internet age, have no problem coming for you. <laughs> so naturally, <laughs> it, it is an extension of, you know, uh, like a sportsmanship sort of. I see. And, and this only becomes more apparent as we move toward the modern age, uh, the the dawn and the domination, domination, it won't work, of reality television. Uh, so the 90s, we mentioned, that's like a golden age for this kind of TV for a lot of people. May 1992, MTV comes through uh, with the real world in uh, like, this is like a Promethean act for so many other production companies because they see the fire. Reality-based soap opera, you know the drill. I, I can't do the intro from memory, but I'm sure so many of us listening today are already kind of reciting it like a litany. I know it ends with, when folks stop being polite and start getting real. I can't so remember real. the rest. So real. I think that was, the, that was the most important part. But no, I mean, I think that's, you know, and then they obviously branched off into, they took it on the road with road rules. And then there's like, a, you know, com combinations and like sort of like anniversaries. Now there's the challenge and all that kind of stuff. But what I think is interesting too is you have all of these offshoots of shows like this coming from other countries like you have big yes. brother which essentially took the real world format and just gamified it you know which i think was kind of a stroke of genius because as you said not everyone loves uh, drama and everyone also loves a competition so let's combine the two yeah and then make it like 24 7 because we cannot get enough <laughs> yeah. content yeah yeah and everything can spin off right so Producers, networks lean in, they grow their own programming. Uh, reality TV becomes like one of the next, the things that many networks feel are matters of survival for them. And there's one of the next steps that you had pointed out in the research, Anna, that really stood out to me. At some point, the folks who greenlight everything said, why are we casting regular folks? Why are we jumping through these hoops to find a regular person, a civilian, doing something interesting, who is also reliably camera ready. Why are we doing all that and then growing a following for them when we could start with celebrities, people who are already somehow famous, who already have their own built-in massive audience? And uh, that feels like a sea change to me. Could, could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, like in the early 2000s, I think late, oh, Osborne started, I feel like early, late 90s, early 2000s, can't remember the exact date, but they basically just, found Ozzy Osbourne, who in all sort of like who we knew him as was a like metal rock star, like eight bats, you know, like all these sort of lore mm -hmm. where you're like, he's wild, he's crazy. And then all of a sudden they're like, but he has a home life and he's a father. <laughs> and you're like, whoa. And I think at that time that was 
really, really wild to see that Ozzy Osbourne, he had a wife, he had two kids. They had very, you know, they were, you know, quirky and weird because, you know, they're a family of like rock star kids. Who knows? But they also mm-hmm. had very normal interactions and had normal, very like family style situations they'd be in. And I think that was kind of like the point where they were like, oh, like, we love celebrities. We're obsessed with knowing what celebrities are up to. This is pre-social media, so you really don't know. Like, at that time, it's like you couldn't literally watch what someone was doing all day in their Instagram stories, right? So it's like this moment, this window into this celebrity lifestyle that we also use. So, you know, glamour, big houses. It's just like, wow, everything we strive for. And then they, like, put it in a TV show on MTV, and we were part of the Osbournes. We were in the family. We could see them every single, you know, week doing their thing. And all of a sudden they were like, your family. You know, it's a weird way. Ozzy Osbourne is the father of America's family. Crazy. (laughs) But it worked. It just hit in a way that we were, you know, I'm sure they were probably like, let's try it and see if anyone's even interested in seeing what Ozzy Osbourne's doing. Exactly. All of a sudden, Sharon Osbourne is, you know, like we're all like fans of like Kelly. You know, you're like, wow, like all these people are all of a sudden fully invested in the Osbournes, even though maybe they never even listened to Ozzy Osbourne to begin with. Well, and and, and by many accounts, a lot of this stroke of genius really was coming from Sharon, uh, for better or for worse, largely, I think, for worse. It sure seemed like they were trotting out Ozzy during a time in his life where he maybe wasn't the best idea for him to be on TV all the time, you know? But it was sort of like, ah, it's fine. He'll be fine. I think he was going through some, you know, still going through some some addiction problems and some, like, kind of, you know, doctor shopping kind of scenarios. And it was certainly clear that he wasn't fully there. But yet, there he was, as sort of America's, you know, kooky granddad. But this really opened the gate for, like, all kinds of these other types of shows like that. But it didn't really happen right away, which I thought was interesting. It wasn't until, I guess, VH1 started doing, you know, the surreal life and those these kind of, like, again, Big Brother situations, but with kind of, you know, also-ran celebrities. Do, do you see a correlation there? Am I wrong? Was it right on the heels of it? Or wasn't there kind of a little gap? Well, uh, I guess. I think Osborne's kind of started to pave the way. And and I think what you were saying about Ozzy really still struggling in his life, like we love dysfunction and we love to see it because, again, it's not our problem. You know, it's like we're watching it like we are watching from a bird's eye view where we get to what like, well, like, damn, that sucks for Ozzy. Hope he's OK. All right. Next show. You know, you, you you're able to remove yourself in that way, but you're still at the same time able to be like a voyeur into their lives. And same situation with A Simple Life. Like Nicole Richie struggled with addiction for years. And we were still watching her go to like farms and be like, ugh, poo, you know, like cow poo. And we'd be like, that's hilarious. That's hilarious. Mm -hmm. They hate this. They're like rich girls. They've never stepped in cow shit before. But like, we loved it. Isn't that another kind of like almost a re- not reverse schadenfreude where it's like, because I still think everything we're saying sort of points to the idea of like, okay, Ozzy's all messed up, but I'm getting a thrill out of it. And then I don't have to think about it when I turn the channel. So it's sort of like, at least it's not me, not in my backyard, but I'm definitely going to like get some sort of weird, sick joy out of watching someone else struggle with the surreal or the, the simple life. Is it, an, is it an example of seeing people that are way, way more wealthy than you'll ever be able to be? 
but also kind of putting themselves in foolish situations and sort of making fun of themselves and allowing you to kind of laugh at them, even though sort of the joke's on you because you're, you know, you're paying for their lifestyle by participating in the whole thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, (laughs) we're all kind of in like a vicious cycle for sure. And I think now more than anything, we kind of see like the genius of Paris Hilton and Nicole Richie to be like, oh, we knew damn well that we were playing ourselves dumb because we knew it would be good television. Mm-hmm. And so like there is right. kind of that like other side of like, oh, I thought they were fools. Turns out they were actually self-aware enough to know like if we play it dumb enough, people will keep coming back to like make fun of us. And they were able to take it i mean it's all very uh there i mean let's be real there's a dark side to all of this we're all obsessed with darkness in a way (laughs) sure that's why we love the 24-hour news cycle really like we're all so in it that we're like we are almost (sighs) addicted to being upset over darkness but like there's it's all just a vicious cycle who knows if there's ever going to be a way out maybe a giant wave from climate change will take us out you know yeah maybe maybe there'll be a reality show called I still have a lawn and it's <laughs> yeah. about people who still have lawns. Uh, yeah. But the, you know, it's funny you say that because we are describing uh, some key points of the American consciousness, you could call it, or I would call it the Western consciousness now with the expansion of this stuff. Years back, a little war story, uh, Anna, I, I pitched pitched our pal Connell Byrne an idea for a good news show. And I said, let me do a show where we're not always, where we're kind of fighting back against the news cycle of horrible things. And uh, we had a call about it. We had a pitch. And then he, he said, it'll never work. People like darkness. And I was, I was surprised by how blunt he was, but I still think that show would have worked. Maybe a wave of climate no, someone, change. Someone did that. It. Uh, it was that dude from the office, uh, yeah. I want to say, yeah. Krasinski. He did like a good CIA news YouTube thing. And it, <laughs> it, it, it went it went well. <laughs> people I people sold it, it, it for so much money. That's right. And now, honestly, Kyle I haven't heard a thing about it. Show. But I haven't heard a thing about it since. It was during COVID where I think people were really mm, in need of that. Yeah. And then once everyone thing was kind of back to normal, I think it's like, yeah, now who needs feel goodery? Let's go back to <sighs> misery. I was I was ahead of my time, but uh, it turns out whomever came up with the idea for the Bachelor, which you you know a ton about, Anna, they were arguably also ahead of their time. Hold the phone, hold the remote control. We mentioned Holding. the 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 Bachelor, and uh, Noel, as as you and I know, that is one of uh, as one of Anna's areas of expertise. I think I think my friend, this just turned into a two parter. What what say you, Sir Brown? Yeah, totally. It's something that we uh, we planned the whole time, though, right? No, no, we didn't. Bachelor content has a way of ballooning. It's just there's it's a lot that goes into it. And not to mention, I mean, it may sound like we're just kind of rapsing, you know, philosophical about reality shows in general, but there really is an interesting historical trajectory to all this stuff. And there are connections and threads throughout that I think we we try our best to pull apart to some degree. Mm-hmm. And I love the idea about the bachelor ballooning because it's affected ridiculous history. We're spinning this off into a second episode. <laughs> huh? So, so, uh, oh, so God, folks, I thought you were going to say a whole new series. 
a whole new series. It's uh, whoops, all part twos. That's what we're calling yes. it. Uh, so <laughs> here's here's our plan, folks, fellow ridiculous historians. Uh, we know this is a Thursday. We are going to get cranking away on the second episode, which will be coming to you. On the very next Tuesday, we can't wait to hear your thoughts about reality TV. As you can tell, there's a lot of stuff in here that surprised uh, Noel and Max and myself about the history. And uh, thank goodness we've got the one and only Anna here to guide us through. We're, spoiler, I think we're going to learn a lot about The Bachelor. I don't know. Do you know much about it, Noel? I mean, I know that it looms large in uh, in popular culture, that's for sure. But no, honestly, I barely know how it works. I mean, it's sort of just another in a long line of these type of dating shows and escalations. You know, I'm more of a singled out kind of guy or even like the dating game from back in the day. It's just a more elaborate version of those unless I'm completely out of my tree. Do you guys know the recurring SNL segment? I don't think they do it anymore. But I it's love just like it. The knock off of it. It's like. What like one time it would be like car hunk. It's whoever's the host that week. They'll be sitting there and like they just like rotate it's, like quick like probably about ten second conversations where it's like, oh I like this. So tell me about yourself, and they just keep rotating it through and through and through. And it's like a very much obviously a parody of The Bachelor. Can I steal him for a second? Okay. Mm, I like this. Yeah, that's awesome. It's based on an improv game that's quite a lot of fun as well. We are going to learn about all of this uh, with an eye toward history and what reality television says about society in general in part two. So do tune in as always. Thanks to our super producer, Mr. Max Williams, uh, the bachelor of the like in the game show. Would you be the bachelor? What kind of game show would we be on? We could do a prank show. Maybe, or maybe more. You ever, you ever watch Deal or No Deal? I was getting yeah. my oil changed once, and I, uh, I learned how Deal or No Deal works after being completely mystified for, uh, by it for years. That's an A plus game show, by the way. That is an excellent game show, in my opinion. I agree. I agree. We, uh, we actually didn't want to leave even after my car was ready. Right. And though you were telling me that uh, uh, an absolute stranger started breaking down Deal or That's No right. Deal for you guys. That's exactly yeah. right. Yes, yes. This is a momentous moment in my life. It was me and my kid. And the stranger saw that we were perplexed and was like, let me help you guys out. It's <laughs> and all then we didn't leverage and negotiation. Yeah. 100%. It actually can teach you some good skills. You know how to negotiate your own self. That's one thing I love about Atlanta. It's not a perfect city, but man, it's a friendly one. Uh, so... Thanks also to the good people of Atlanta. Thanks to you for tuning in. Noel, thanks to you, man. Uh, and of course, thanks to uh, Jonathan Strickland, a.k.a. The Quister, who will 100% be appearing on our reality show. Long may he reign. Thanks to Christopher Hasiotis here in spirit. Maxwell Vaughn Williams. Uh, first of his name, I believe. I don't know why, why am I getting all Game of Thronesy all of a sudden? It has nothing to do with reality television. But uh, it is what it is. Alex Williams, who composed our theme and doesn't have a medieval-sounding uh, name treatment from me. Of course, Eve's Jeff Coat, and where would we be without our research associates, Jeff Bartlett and Zach Williams? Oh, and once again, thanks to Anna and to Ben, thanks to you. I, I look forward to uh, rejoining you uh, in real time uh, very soon. I like this. We'll see you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 
happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.